Welcome to DaVinci's Discourse, where the minds of today's most innovative entrepreneurs are unveiled and explored. And my name is Kyle Campbell, your guide on this journey into the depths of the entrepreneurial psyche. So sit back, relax, and get ready to dive into the minds of the greats. This is DaVinci's Discourse. All right, cool, man. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and who you do it for? Yeah, I am a legal operations consultant, and okay. I started my own business um, a few years ago, and it's gone through a couple of different name changes, but uh, it's Key Legal Operations Consulting, uh, and I provide legal operations consulting for legal departments. That's my forte, but I also provide uh, legal operations consulting for law firms as well. Okay. I am, as I put it, classically trained as a lawyer. But I generally don't do any more lawyer work. Instead, what I do is I try to help lawyers operate more efficiently so that they have more time either for themselves or for their businesses, uh, you know, whatever it is that, that, that they want to do. But um, my goal is to make life better for people in the legal profession uh, instead of practice law myself anymore. Okay, interesting, man. How'd you get into that? What was the transition like from a traditional law uh, career to what you're doing now? Well, so um, now you're asking for a little bit bigger background. So yeah, bring it I, on. I, I uh, for as long as I can remember, I wanted to go to law school. I mean, from from junior high on up, and I did go to law school uh, at Washington Lee University in Lexington, Virginia, and got my dream job at the largest law firm in Kansas City after law school and worked there for a long time and wound up representing a medical device manufacturer that was in Minnesota. Hmm. And they became my favorite client, a representative for about five years with a team of folks at the law firm. And uh, while we were representing them, the New York Times wrote some unflattering articles about them that led to um, government investigations and mm. class action lawsuits and everything under the sun at the same time that the guy who had been my internal client uh, at the time announced that he was leaving to go buy his own medical supply company. And so they needed somebody to manage these things. Um, and so I went up and I was seconded, is what we called it, uh, to the company um, as an outside counsel lawyer, but also working kind of inside. And after a few months, the general counsel and the um, the uh, company division president uh, offered me the job full time. And so I got to go in house, not just uh, with a client, but with my favorite client. And it was a company whose motto at the time People uh, would say that they came to work every day to save and improve lives. So I got to go somewhere with a real strong mission, and I felt great about doing that and representing them against some uh, unjust accusations and inaccurate accusations that had come through the media and then through lawsuits and and other things. And I got into legal operations, which was your original question about what, 20 minutes ago? Um, <laughs> Maybe an hour ago. No, I'm just joking, man. No, you're, I, I love the story. I'm fascinated in it. Continue. Uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I I got into legal operations because when I got there, uh, the people handling the mass uh, tort litigation and the government investigations was me, 
one paralegal and one assistant. Mm. And that was it. And mm. we've got thousands of cases and dozens of, of investigations. And so we realized, well, we, we've got to find ways to do things better than the manual process that we're doing everything now with spreadsheets and Word documents. And so uh, I, I went to the general counsel and made some suggestions on things to improve. And when he when I went to him, he said, okay, if you want to do that, figure out how. And I was coming in as a litigator from a law firm. I didn't know how. Uh, so it was all learn on the fly and figure these things out. Now, we did have um, a, a consultant group that helped with one tiny little aspect of it, but they also you know, gave me some tips and tricks and hints and things. Uh, but through all of that, I started learning legal operations and I wound up taking um, lean business process training at the company. And then I took some green uh, Six Sigma training at the company and, and other project management and learning project management tools. And through all of that, I realized um, you could handle a lot of legal work through project management viewpoint and from a, a, a project management standpoint, make things more efficient save time, save money, which, you know, the, the financial folks care about. But uh, by doing all of that, um, you wind up improving the lives of your mm. fellow coworkers and the people mm. who were reporting to me, because by then I had built a team of, uh, of 13 people who are either direct or indirect reports to me. And uh, each year we would try to find ways to, to improve. And I, I called it the, uh, named after the global project that we had at the company, which was called the Value Improvement um, Project Awards. Uh, I said, what well, we will create the litigation department Value Improvement Awards. And every year, everyone on the team comes to me and I, they have to have three to five ideas of things that we can improve at the company. Mm. Frequently, people would come with ideas on how they would improve their own work <laughs> so you know, yeah, funny, funny how time. that works. Uh -huh. yeah. just, you know, it's what Which they could know. also still be helpful. Oh, uh, absolutely! It was, you know, and these are brilliant ideas, and these are, are, are brilliant people working at the company. Um, but sometimes, and they would surprise me. They would come with ideas that would improve the lives of, of people in not in the legal department, but well outside the legal department um, in the quality system or the warranties uh, group mm. or something. But because they had worked with those folks, they realized, you know, they're still doing manual process or um, things are, are templatized that could be automated, you know, take it one step further. Mm -hmm. um, and so very long story, uh, or a very, very short story now long, um, however you want to look at it. I, I fell in love with continuous improvement. Uh, and, and when you work at a medical device company, um, continuous process improvement is the lifeblood of the company. Because like with every new iteration of uh, a, 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 an iPhone or you know, a Pixel or whatever, yeah. each iteration has to be better than the last mm -hmm. with new features same for medical devices right if you're and going to, to put be a, a constant product on the flow of those new devices coming in right so that the revolutionary process is key right exactly and so they instill this this idea throughout the company of continuous process improvement 
And so I, I fell in love with that concept and decided that's what I wanted to do uh, was find ways to there. help improve. And, and I could see because we relied heavily on law firms to represent the company. Uh, I could see that those law firms didn't have the same mentality mm. that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, efficiency was not their strong suit. And a large part of that was that um, companies are usually represented by law firms that work under the billable hour. Um, and so becoming more efficient is not necessarily in their what best they interest. think of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's in their right? best interest. Uh-huh. And with, with as many things as I could, we instituted what are called alternative fee arrangements. Okay. So fixed yeah. fees or some sort of success fee arrangement or something other than the, the billable hour, but firms still mainly operated men, with the mentality of, of, of uh, the billable hour. And so I, I started teaching, going to my outside law firms and teaching um, lean business process ideas to them. And as with my team, where, you know, every year I would say, come with three or five, four ideas on how to improve things at the company, I would then go to the law firms and say, okay, now I want you to come with three to five ideas on how you can be more efficient in representing the company. Mm, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Okay. And, and so- And then also start to get paid based on the result rather than the billable hours model. So that way it's in their best interest to make it as efficient as possible. Wow, you just touched on something that I it is at the core of, of my beliefs. And I I, I post mm-hmm. this occasionally on, on LinkedIn that lawyers should be paid based on the value yes. of what they produce, not how long it takes for them to produce it. Yeah, you think it'd be obvious, right? I mean, that's how it is in a lot of other fields, but for some reason the law field is 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 behind in that aspect. It's um it's the old school way, right? It, it it is it is very old school. I, I mean, it, it it's actually something that may come back around. But the the story goes that before the 1960s, uh, law firms would submit an, an invoice that said for services rendered. Mm. But starting sometime in the 60s, companies and clients wanted to know, well, what did you do to earn that hypothetical ten thousand dollar a month kind of thing? So start showing me. And then it's become this whole billable hour thing. Yes, yes. Um, but one of the things that we did at the company that that I thought was impressive toward the end of the time that I was there was we had figured out how much we were paying for certain litigations or you know certain matters. And when it, it came time to bid that work out, we sent out and said, this is the range in which we're going to pay. And either you're going to accept that range and be willing to, to play, or you're not. Some of the firms that had represented the company for a while said, well, we we, we can't do that. We we can't afford to do that. Like, okay. But this is based on historical data, what what we could, what we will pay. And now there are a lot of companies out there and a lot of um of technology companies that are picking up on these kinds of ideas and saying, we can mine this data in companies and at law firms, by the way, to find out how much law firms charge. And then you can come up with what things typically cost. And so a dream, a hope of mine is that in the next 10 years, or maybe 15, given that lawyers take a while to accept and embrace change, but within the next 10 to 15 years, the industry will start moving toward 
data-based decisions on how much things actually should cost and how much things are worth, Mm. not just the cost, but what it's worth Mm. to a company to have a uh, a law firm, for instance, help them with a, a an acquisition, an acquisition that may be you know worth uh, five hundred million for the next two years, and then seven you know um, seven hundred fifty million every year after that. So what's that worth to that company to pay as opposed to paying by the hour? So I'm hoping that that's where this can go. And I say data based decisions. A lot of people like the phrase and use this and throw it around a lot data driven decisions i have yet to see anybody in the legal department in a legal department or a law firm make a decision based solely on the data mm. they will look at the data they'll yes. consider the data yes. but then they consider other factors in addition to the data mm-hmm. and then they will decide and so i you know data based or data influenced decisions mm. but not actually data driven <laughs> Okay, so you see the future being the opposite of that, where it is data driven, uh, where instead, I'm, of, I'm instead of their subjective opinion getting in the way of it, maybe emotions, maybe uh, some other factors that are being taken into account, you see the future of it being solely based on the data. Well, not not solely based, okay. but but um, influenced heavily by okay, the, heavier the, than it is now, because the, the, there will still be instances, no matter what, because Everyone says in the legal industry, um, it's it's based on relationship. Yes. And so you hire somebody because you went to law school with them or because you know them. Or when, when I was in-house, um, one of my general counsel was president of an organization. And he, he, he preferred that I look at members of that organization first and consider them first before hiring somebody when a new matter came in in a, in a particular area. We wouldn't always hire those folks. Again, that was like relationship influenced mm, uh, yeah, decisions, yeah. but not relationship driven. But I do see, okay, I see what it, you mean, yeah. a shift toward data influence decisions where people, uh, and it, it would be the, the, the lawyers, the legal operations folks, the, the finance procurement, all of those folks in corporations looking at the data and going, okay, these are the three best firms for this type of matter. Mm. Um, And then it may come down to a relationship because the general counsel or the lead, the chief litigation officer or somebody might have a tie with somebody or, or, hey, I was represented by that lawyer when he was at a different firm. I know him really well. He'll do really, he he does great work. We'll hire him because he was one of the three finalists. So I I see it as something that would be data influenced, but I, I'm skeptical as to whether lawyers could, even in the next 20 years, break free of the the this is a relationship based industry. Yeah. Um. To the point where it's just the data says you hire this firm because they have the best price along with results. Because there are companies out there that are are now gathering data, gleaning data from the internet, from mm-hmm. court records and things. To be able to determine which firms are most more successful in Los Angeles County or Cook County, right, in, based on uh, what the Illinois. case is at hand, right? Rather than instead of a relationship-based model, you're looking at let's say this firm has been successful in this kind of case in this area and and at this mm-hmm. price. 
And so therefore it makes most sense logically, um, relationships and emotions aside to hire this firm. Exactly. And I, I see that to be the direction that it's going. Um, now, and and again, I, it, 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 it will, it would take a long time to break free completely from the, yeah, the, yeah course, but, I, right. but I know Bob Bennett over at, uh, yeah. and I just made a, a, a you know, over yeah, at, yeah, yeah. Uh, a particular firm. And, and I, I really think that you should hire him, even though he costs more, is less successful, yeah. uh, you know, based on. <laughs> the, you know. Yeah, but you know him. So, you know, your, your subjective viewpoint gets in the way there. Now I'm wondering with this data driven or data, sorry, this data influenced play um, where AI comes into it. What do you think about that? Well, so AI, I, I am a big believer in the um, future of AI benefiting legal and, of course, you know, lots of, of, of um, the, the, the groups outside of legal. But within legal, by being able to help pull and glean a lot of this data, analyze it and produce results. I mean, one of the, the problems with becoming more data influenced that we have had is that we haven't had the technology really mm, set up right. for this. Yeah. Uh, and so it becomes a manual process or yeah, a, you know, a, so a person driven kind of process. But right. I, I do think that um, artificial intelligence uh, when properly managed and handled and targeted uh, so not just the large language models that are out there where you yeah. dump everything in, yeah. but when you, when you, when you target it toward the appropriate data and use those same kinds of algorithms, mm -hmm. um, but, but tailored toward legal and these, these issues and questions will be able to provide a great deal of, of information. And there are a number of companies out there that are already working on that. And yeah. so they're already going through the data in Cook County or St. Louis, city circuit of St. Louis or um, down in Houston. And they're pulling all that information and trying to figure out who's the best the um, best law firms um, that for making data influence decisions, um, pulling information on how certain judges rule on certain types of motions mm. so that so you can, uh, so when you get... Right. So you can play your whole game based around the, what the judge's previous decisions have looked like and what influenced him and what didn't. See, that's fascinating right there. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. So so you're able to uh, see that that Judge Jones uh, you know, always rules a certain way or 95 percent of the time yes. rules a certain way. And if that's in your favor, that impacts your decision on how to proceed yeah. versus not if it's 95% for the other side, then perhaps you make a different strategic decision on how to proceed. Um, again, there will be other factors besides just the data uh, that goes in, which is why I, I, I steadfastly refuse to call anything in legal data driven, um, but <laughs> data influenced. Yeah. Um, or data-based, uh, but but data-influenced is the phrase I prefer uh, to say that, you know, they'll look at it and say, okay, this judge is not going to rule in our favor on this. Perhaps we should seek a settlement or the yeah. judge mm. almost always rules in our favor. So we're not even going to consider the settlement unless it's um, for a de minimis amount right. uh, from the other side. So, you know, it reminds me of the AI chess computer. Um, 
you know, based on the moves that you make, based on billions of games that have been analyzed before, is able to predict what move will be made next and what move has the best potential outcome. Uh, and so you can take that into the legal profession and say, uh, this judge, or let's say um, it's at uh, 1 p.m. in courtroom six. Um, this judge in previous cases, right after lunch, has been <laughs> has been more likely to be more accepting towards these sorts of uh, this case. And based on the previous data of, of in courtroom six after, at 1 p.m., uh, this would be the most likely uh, probable outcome of success. And you can use that in terms of building your case around it. A totally different way of structuring your, your strategy uh, as opposed to how it's been done previously. Well, exactly, exactly. I, uh, I mean, in in the past, you've had some, and you've had anecdotal evidence yes. of those kinds of things. Right, right. But now there's going to be, uh, with the ability of the algorithms to analyze this information and analyze it quickly, uh, you know, you can start addressing those kinds of things. There have been studies that show. You know the judges are are more lenient right after um, lunch, yeah. <laughs> you know, right after lunch, and uh -huh. and and get and certainly right before lunch. You know, as the morning has drawn on, mm. harsher sentences for yeah. criminal defendants, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, less patience with rulings and that, those kinds of things. Um, but now you start to see it, and so you can strategize around it, um, yes. and and you can make those data influenced decisions, even though. Um, you know, you're not, you're likely not going to just base it solely on the data. Right. right. Um, but it heavily can influence your, your strategy based on what's predicted, what the chess computer predicts will work best. And obviously there's the professional chess player in this analogy who says, okay, well, in my experience, this would be the better play than that. And so that's why it's data influence rather than data driven. Um, let's say that I'm a, I'm a new potential client that is, let's say I, I own a law for, firm or I'm the vice president of, of XYZ law firm. Uh, what are the processes that you would start to take me through in terms of uh, what you do for clients? Well, uh, generally, when uh, we have have a uh, conversation, they have identified some sort of issue that they need resolved, whether it's a process improvement, mm. um, you know, improving workflow, um, figuring out a, a better way to organize or structure personnel or uh, or um, technology, uh, because I've helped with a, a number of technology um acquisitions, you know, go out, evaluate, find, bring in uh, the technologies. So usually uh, if if you were the um, chief operating officer of a law firm, uh, you've, you've reached out to me, we start talking. The first thing that I ask you uh, is, is, is what is your goal? Um, well, my goal is to uh, improve the efficiency of the litigation department because right now everything is, is manual. Okay. My next question is why? Mm. Um, mm. And I, I, I think I it's, like it's really important in my job and actually in, in personally any legal operations uh, professionals job, the why is maybe more important than the what, because the person who has come up with the idea or the team that's come up with the idea may not fully understand, uh, it may have an idea of what it is that they want, but once you start delving into the whys, and, and this is where I, I tell people, now I'm going to be a petulant child, 
And I'm going to start asking why a lot. So mm -hmm. I'm going to remind you of your 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 you know your um, adult child when, when she was three, and I'm just going to keep asking why, 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 mm -hmm. until we get to the real why, and then we start developing what a plan. Uh, so you start or, developing the how after you get to the core of the why. It, it, exactly. Once we've the why and it, to the the why to the what, so mm -hmm. that we can refine and make sure that we're all on the same page as to the what, as as well as the why. Um, so we have a goal, and we can start working on that. And um, one of the one of the questions that I always ask uh, potential clients is, okay, what is going to make me a superstar? Mm. So um, at the end of the day, when I leave, uh, what is it you go? Next yeah, time, I'm definitely hiring him, mm. and I'm telling everybody else. You, you first call you make is to Key Legal Operations Consulting. Mm. Um, so, <laughs> I I ask a whole bunch of questions um, to make sure that we're all on the same page. And sometimes, in asking the why, it changes what they thought they really wanted. Yes. Um, mm. they want you, you know. They, they said they wanted technology, you know, some technology solution, but in asking the questions, what it really turns out is what they want, what they want and what they really truly need is to revamp the processes first, mm. see how that impacts things, and then bring technology in on top of that after the process has been refined. I see. Um, okay. So that, that, that would be the beginning of, of our relationship. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> you called okay. me. Okay. So let's say we've gone through the whys and I get that this will be highly individualized based on the, the person that you're speaking with and their law firm and their individual problem. But let's say we've gone through the whys and you've asked, well, why do you want that goal? Why, why do you want that want? And you go into the, the, the depths of the, of the goal. Um, then what's the, what's the next step after that? How do we get to the, the, the how do we fix the problem angle of it? Uh, well, that's that's when uh, I start working with the experts, the subject matter experts at the firm or the company okay. and figuring out what the um, current state is, because the way I always say you have to define it before you can refine it. Mm. Um, and as we are going, because I, I don't do it in a sequential, it's not a linear thing. It's as you're going, you can start making little solutions or, or 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 little improvements unless it is something where um they have already refined everything beforehand they are absolutely set that what what they need is technology so uh, I, I before the pandemic one of the things that i had been doing is working with some small uh companies that needed some technology solutions to be well, cloud-based, so in-house cloud-based um, technologies to move off of their servers uh, and, and have things. And, and they just needed somebody to run uh, the RFPs uh, for them, but they weren't interested in, okay, I, we don't really need you to refine the processes. We've done that work. We just need somebody to come in because we don't have the time uh, and, and, and um, we're, we're dramatically overworked. Uh, and we don't have the resources or the knowledge on how to run mm, mm. a procurement process from the legal department. And uh, that was one of the things that I did when I was in-house was I ran a lot of procurement um, projects 
because we needed a lot of technology. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah, funny how that works. Eh? Um, I'm curious, what are some of the, the, the most successful um, in terms of uh, results driven or results oriented? Because we will avoid the driven <laughs> word. <laughs> so in terms of just results oriented, uh, what, are, what are some success stories that you've been able to accomplish? Uh, well, um, one of my my favorites was with a, a law firm that needed a management software um, solution, document management and, and case management solution. And they needed it. Well, they weren't sure exactly what they wanted, but ultimately I drilled down and we decided that we would get or look for cloud-based services. Uh, and we were able to implement that before the pandemic shutdowns happened. Mm. And I got a thank you from them afterwards where they're like, you know, with the shutdown, we wouldn't have been able to access or we would have to go into the office. Um, We, we, because this was a small law firm, they didn't have all of the the remote technology set up Um, along that same lines during that same timeframe. One of the things that I helped a number of companies with that didn't have work from home policies. So Mm -hmm. I started um, writing people uh, work from home policies uh, and working on those and and technology use from remote because they had never had to do it as everything's always been on site. Um, I helped a, uh, another larger company stand up a center of excellence to handle uh, ticketing um, handle accruals and handle some um, budgeting, uh, improve the budgeting process uh, within their legal department. Um, so th- th- those are some of the the fun ones. Some of the others that and uh, th- that I did were helping folks obtain some technology. And uh, this this is kind of an insight into my mentality on on things where I don't see the glass half full or half empty. It's entirely full, but only part of the volume is made up of liquid. Ah, I love that. Ah, You're thinking out of the box there. It's beautiful. Uh, Well, and and I actually have a a PowerPoint slide that I presented to a group today that has the picture with a footnote at the bottom of, you know, it's mostly nitrogen with some oxygen. (laughs) Yes, yes. But it's all, it's it's a full glass. it's full, yeah. Um, but I had done some technology acquisition and implementation for a couple of uh, small companies. And then I stumbled across a company called Claralegal uh, that is an RFP tool for electronic discovery companies. Um, and I had just done a couple of, of those projects that were drawn out because, you know, manual process and and everything. And the article that I read uh, was indicating that, that Claire Legal could do this in in a day or two days, what was taking me a long time to get the requirements, yeah. um, get the RFP drafted, sent out. It's already got, all, I mean, w- once the company knows what their requirements are and what their, their data volumes are, they can just put it all in. So I'm like, oh my God, that, this is going to put me out of business. Um, but I, after 24, 48 hours of panic, 
I reached out to the founder of the company, a guy named Cash Butler, and our first call, you know, we were just going to meet for a few minutes or something. We wound up talking for over two hours, maybe close to three. And by the end of the conversation, I'm like, so Clear Legal is not a threat to my business. Clear Legal is now a part of my business. Yes, um, yes. I will now use it mm. and I will change my billing model because sadly, even though I don't like the billable hour and I try to do everything on a fixed fee or something, a lot of my clients are still stuck in billable hour mode. Mm -hmm. So even though I would propose a non-billable hour um, fee, they would come back with, no, let's just pay you. Let's just do it how we've always hour. been doing it. Yeah, and yeah. I don't like, like change. <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And lawyers typically don't like change. So I, I just decided I would work on, I'll just come up with a, a, uh, a value-based billing for using the, uh, the the Claire Legal tool, but helping them get everything pulled together beforehand, or necessary, you know, necessary, and um, and that wound up leading to a, a partnership with Cash, uh, <laughs> because uh, he and I thought alike. Like, um, it's it's not the end of my business; it's instead a an opportunity. It's using yeah. technology as it's supposed to be a tool, which is what AI is. It's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. Don't rely on on uh, chat GPT or Claude or, or um, Bard or anything to write your resume if you're looking for a new job, but you can have it show you what a resume for a project manager would look like um, yeah. based on a job description. I would have to write my whole resume, man. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story and tell you why I think this. Um, not ChatGPT exactly, but we've got a technology that turns interviews like this into books that our clients use as client acquisition tools. And the quality of the writing that we're getting out of our AI model is is second to none. Uh, we had a client the other day say that he cried reading the way that the AI told his story. And it's like, wow, man, the AI was able to bring out that emotion. And so it's writing a hundred times better than I could come close to. And I was a writer, I was a copywriter for years. And it's it's writing a hundred times better than I could come close to. Not ChatGPT, but our in, in, in board proprietary technology. Um, and so it depends on how you use it. It depends on the, the inputs to get the outputs, right? 100% I would use that to, to write my whole resume, not ChatGPT, but our proprietary technology because of the quality we're getting out of it. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the podcast and I want to let you know that I've got a free book that you can get if you want to tap into more of these resources and you can get that for free at kylesbook.com. Back to the podcast. Well, and, and you are focusing it like i was talking about earlier with the ai tools that are being that are built now and being built within legal that are are not you know using everything including the garbage that's out there yes. but they're 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 doing that so something like that yes um if you know that it is trained well enough yeah. to be able to put that in in a good good format one of the the uh, one of my connections on LinkedIn that I like to follow, um, she does something uh, called the 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 human based or, or human targeted resume, where she says use I. What's why not use I? I built a team of thirteen people when I was in house. Mm. I um, managed uh, hundreds of millions of dollars of litigation, or you know, mm -hmm. she says do that. Why does it have to be so generic? And she, um, you know, if she were doing something like that. She would want to have the the eye, so she train would train it. To, yes. 
instead of the built a 13 person team of right yeah legal and um um software professionals or Mm -hmm. it professionals i Um, built yeah yeah so that's how she would train it Right? To do it. So exactly. And for an example on that, we have two book models where one of them is is uh, the dialogue based, where it's like um, some of the spiritual texts or or some books are written in terms of the interview is person A said this, person B said this, and the book is is written in that structure. And we also have the I format where it's written in like a classical book as though uh, the person sat down and wrote it. But either way, it's created in an hour of this person's time, uh, an hour of your time, just literally talking and having that transcribed into a book. Um, it's a fascinating process. AI is so cool to me, man. That's why I'm so curious in terms of how you think that it's going to be affecting the legal field moving forward. Well, one of the another thing is, um, in addition to helping make data-driven, uh, yeah. David influence. <laughs> See, even I, you're I messing my, it up, man. <laughs> I fell in my own trap. Um, I have a lot of faith that it's also going to help me in my um, tilting against the billable hour windmill. Um, there are already uh, maybe California and Florida or Florida and another state. I, I I don't remember exactly, but a couple of states have already issued some statements about using AI and then billing um, because AI can help you draft a motion. And and and, and there, there, there are other companies that started this before the, the big chat GPT yeah. uh, craze, but uh, where if you put in prior examples of mm-hmm. what you have done, yeah. uh, for instance, we filed what were called um, preemption motions in a lot of our medical device cases right. uh, where patients were suing us because federal law would say you you can't sue and claim that you wish the design the the product was designed differently because it only gets one approval from the FDA uh, and so mm. you can't claim it should have been faster or should have had a longer battery or something. Uh, so we would cl- claim those were were preempted. Well, I, if I would have had tools like this, then yes. I would have just put five or six of those motions that had been written in there, yeah, and then it would click out for the specific jurisdiction. I mean, that would be the other thing is we had cases all over the. I don't think I ever had one in Alaska, but um, everywhere else, including Hawaii, though I never got to go. Um, and you would have a, a pretty close, pretty good, ready to go, um, brief. Now that said, um, you've heard of the hallucination issues and yes. in legal, there are yes, two, yes. two very famous cases right now where lawyers didn't double check the citations and, mm. and, uh, the, the, whatever service they were using made up a couple of cases, <laughs> which, that makes judges quite unhappy. So, um, they, uh, hmm. but, but if you have these targeted technologies like you have, yes, I mean, what, exactly. you know, where books, but in terms of it's built only for this purpose. Yes. Instead of early, early on, or, you know, earlier this year, ooh, early on in the chat GPT, yeah, which is like which earlier was, this year. Yeah, that's true though. Was like eh? March. We're very, yeah, I know. I know. I, <laughs> we started I, I, our company I, I, in February and we were early adopters, even though it was uh, it was still months after it had started the whole even just ChatGPT thing. 
Um, anyways, I digress. Go on. <laughs> no, I, I was just going to say early on, I, I I asked Chat GPT to write a short biography for me, and I don't know who it was writing about. I mean, um, it was at least three th different Jeff Cruises. Uh, <laughs> <because> <laughs> it, 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 and I'm, you know, it probably did pull in things uh, from different Jeff Cruises. And, and actually, I do know one of the other Jeff Cruises that it, it was referring to was a, a state legislator in Oregon or Washington. Mm. Um, and it has a little segment on there like, uh, that's not me. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you would have to be careful yes. of, of those things. Yes. But when they are targeted to specific uses yep. and using specific or more specific data um, that they're they're pulling off of, um, like the instance that I mentioned, where you know if I was able to toss in our prior briefs and then say, okay, so those are our briefs from five different states, and now we have a new case in Oklahoma, write the Oklahoma brief. Um, we'd mm -hmm. still have to double check the Oklahoma case law citations, right? But it's done just like that. But anyway, I, th that was a long-winded way of me getting around to saying, I think it will help with value-based billing. Uh, yes, because, because it's not, a, in, it, well, it's not an hourly thing anymore because it's done like that. So it has to be done based on the result at that point. Yes, of course. That's what's right. so fascinating so, about it. We're getting more effective so, as a society. I, I, I believe and I, clients drive lawyers and law firms and 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 clients are in charge so a lot of small law firms and especially law firms that represent individuals not corporations have instituted um you know have implemented chat services um mm. have uh you, you know and, and and different question answer services so that their clients don't have to wait Right. Um, yes. They have portals where the, the clients can log in and see the status of their case so they don't have to mm. wait for their attorneys anymore. And because those are things that that aren't value driven for the lawyers either. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's calling your client for both parties. Exactly. No, no, it, it's not. So, you know, instantaneous things where a client can can say, so what's yes. you know, when is my next hearing? You don't have to wait for the lawyer anymore. Yeah. You can find all this out. All of these things, I think, are going to help lead to more value-based billing in the long run. And none of this I'm talking about in the next five years, <laughs> because, because lawyers are too um, resistant to change. We're, yes. We are. It's folks, the personality type, right? It's the archetype that, that most lawyers fall into. It's um, it, like some people, like for example, artists, uh, people in an art industry, um, they would be more prone to fast for change. But lawyers, the the very nature of it is based on precedence, and so it's it's right. Exactly. I, this this has been my theory for several years. Is um, the the person the, the type of personality, myself included, yeah. who decides to go to law school, yes. who thinks they want to be lawyers, are people who are resistant to change. And who want precedent because it's something firmly to hang on to. Yeah, the yeah. folks that, that you're talking about, and my wife is frankly one of them, who's a very creative, artistic person, mm. um, who likes to rearrange things all over the house all the time. <laughs> it must bother uh, the hell out of you. <laughs> well, as 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 one of those precedent people, wait, yes. but but it's been this way for two years. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Then then I have to tell myself, there. You know, I have to go back to what I, I mentioned earlier which is one of my mantras when working with clients, 
there has to be a better way. Yes. Um, and I, I actually got that from a, uh, a lawyer from a company called Medtronic at a conference when she said that to a room full of, of lawyers and law firm lawyers saying, you know, she looked at what they, how they were doing something. And she said, there has to be a better way. And since then I'm like, there has to be a better way or it's better way. Better ways. Right. 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 And th because there's always a better way to the better way. Uh, and then it goes on at infinitum. But it's interesting that you choose that phrase because that has an embedded impl implication that it, there is change that is going to take place. Well, and and so yeah, you 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 do the, use the c word, um, change. But I have over my last couple of projects, um, given the resistance that I've encountered to change, um, tried to start modeling that what we need is improvement management, not change management. Mm. That we need to focus on the improvement, including how it yes. improves the like lives that. and the uh. function of the individuals. As opposed to, you know what, we're, we're implementing a new process or we're implementing a new technology and people are smacking their heads and groaning. Now I have to learn this new thing and I have to input it in a different spot than I used to. Mm -hmm. And I have to have this new checklist or this new, um, you know, this new playbook next to me to know how to do these things. No, this is, yes, temporarily, yes. But in the end, it's going to be so much faster because... Whereas you used to have to put something in in three different places, mm. now it auto populates. Right. Uh, you, mm. you, yes, it is in a different place now, but it auto populates to those other two, yeah. so you don't have to do it there. And then, uh, you know, it, it remembers this information, whereas the old system was static and didn't. And so, uh, I, I when I start talking to people about things, it's like improvement. And when I've been talking to uh, chief litigation or chief legal officers and general counsel or managing partners at law firms. It's like, we really need to start talking about uh, improvement management, not change management, because nobody likes change. Right. You're going to yes. make, you're going to make me change, you know, my password, something as simple as that. I get it, man. Uh, I get it. And then th that, th I love how you make that differentiation in terms of language used, because when you use that, that terminology, even that little shift of framing that makes all the difference. Um, it's, it's still change. There's still implications of change, but it's uh, in the improvement language model instead of the, the change word. So it's, well, it, it's the way of saying change to people that don't like change. Well, and change for change sake does nothing for That's anybody. True. That's true. But That's a good point. change for improvement's sake, yep. for improvement for improvement's sake, and and you did touch on something uh, earlier um, that that uh, I I also wanted to know. I I became a firm believer in not using the phrase best practices when I was in at at uh, Boston Scientific, the company that that instilled the um, continuous process improvement. Yeah, because it's a continuous process. And right. I had a, a, a boss who, unfortunately, uh, while I was there, I was no longer reporting to him, but unfortunately, he got murdered while I was there. Um, it was one of the most tragic days. Uh, I can remember I was in a trial in Massachusetts and when this yeah. happened, but he used to have a phrase that he would say, it's the never ending pursuit of perfection. You know, you're never going to get there. So you don't drive uh, yourself never crazy trying yes. to yes. get there, but you keep trying to get better. And so for, for some of our devices, they were... 99.1 or 99.3% reliable, had a reliability of, of that kind of, 
and the engineers wanted to get it higher. Yeah, let's yeah. make it more the next one more reliable. Um, and so I, I, I like you know what out there somewhere, some company has the best or some law firm has the best intake process in the world or in yeah. the country. Mm-hmm. They nailed it, and they can still get better. So. Always. Even though it is technically the best, I I stopped using best practice because I, f- I feared that my team would see that as a destination. Yeah. Hooray, we reached yeah. the pinnacle. We, we are the best. That's Go a team. very good point, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But instead it's of- the best for now. Yes, until we can make it 1% better, 10% better next year. Right. I like, um, I like that a So lot. you just keep iterating and iterating and getting better. Um, and then- Boom! Something you know, some some new technology like some of these AI uh, solutions, uh, some of the the the, the different um, legal technology companies come along, and what was your best is is now you know, way in the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. uh, and you could do something even better, even faster, yep. save even more time. Uh, and then you turn and use that time for, for other things. Um, like one, one, one client that I had, uh, recently, um, one of the issues that everybody, all all the people in the legal department had was they're doing their day-to-day job every day, but they've also been assigned all these projects, Mm. but they have no time to, to devote. But if you can make the day-to-day things smoother, faster, then that gives them time to invest in those projects, those projects, right. which of course are designed to improve on the other thing. So it's you know, uh, one improvement on top of another there. on top of another. Yes. So mm. uh, it, it all starts steamrolling and um, helping all the way down the line. And, and of course, ultimately all of this is, is for um, better mental health yeah. for folks in the legal profession um, and the folks who deal with the people in the legal profession. Uh, that too. Yes, of course. <laughs> it trickles it, down the waterfall effect. Absolutely, it does. It yep. absolutely does. And and, mm-hmm. I, and I firmly believe, and, that, and that's why I went into this. I mean, okay, mm. so getting back to your first question, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was because it, in a corporation, the legal department impacts every other department. Every other mm. department, in some way, shape, or form, comes to them for something. Uh, a law firm, those clients, the cases that you're handling may be the most important cases that they have. And so, if the lawyers are doing better from a mental health and workload standpoint, um, and the paralegals are doing right. better, and the assistants, and everyone all the way down the line, then that also improves up the line back to the clients. Who are hey wait these folks are, seem happier yeah. they're 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 better adjusted than they were a year ago um, all of this winds up working out and uh, so you know to, for me the highest praise is hey you, you know you, you you've saved me some time you really have helped um, you've opened our eyes to an, something new uh, and you broke us free from the but that's how we do things right, mentality. Right, right. Mm. Uh, I think that's a good place to leave it, man. I'm curious in terms of um, your client acquisition process, uh, how do you go about generating clients usually? Uh, it has largely been by referral. I figured um, so, I, yeah. I, 
I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I have not done an effective job of marketing. Mm. Um, fully admit that is not one of my strong suits or strong interests really. And so it's been by referral. And I mentioned before the partnership with Cash Butler, we've right. we've worked together um, to, to generate uh, clients uh, as well. Um, so it's, it's a good, it's back to that relationship thing. Yes, of course. Knowing. That's why I figured that would be the answer. Yes. Because the reason why I ask is because there's no more powerful, um, uh, and here comes the pitch. <laughs> and it's, I'm curious what you think about this, because um, there's no more powerful referral tool than a book. Uh, because it gives their, your clients something to give to other people when they hear them talking about the problem that you helped them with. Uh, so they say, hey, here, try, try my book. Um, try to try reading this book because it helped me a lot and maybe it can help you too. It's a referral tool. Uh, so keeping it in terms of what you're already doing, it's a way to amplify that uh, and improve it, might I say. <laughs> yeah. um, what do you think? Have, have you thought about writing a book and, and using that as a marketing tool? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I have thought about it. Um, I, I I've never devoted the time. I mean, I yes, actually yes, have a, a a mental book, children's book series based on oh. our dog's life that I haven't done yet. Oh um, wow! I, I have I have a dozen titles. Um, I just <laughs> with with stories outlined at various levels for all of those. But from a personal standpoint, I have thought about books and and things, and I've I've uh, contributed some to other folks. Um, mm. You know, helped other folks but for me it's it's you know getting started is just right, right, not easy yeah. and and so i honestly have thought about hey you know i've i have a paid account for chat gpt and a paid account for claude i, I could you know do something except yeah. they don't always throw out stuff that i really know yeah mm -hmm. you got to be careful with those ones because like what we were talking about they're not specifically trained for that one purpose right um and see if it's a time issue that's so interesting because what we just did would make the perfect book the questions that i was asking would lead to um that being transcribed and turned into that book uh, i think that there's a huge opportunity now um in terms of how you would use that book that's the question uh, how do you see yourself using a book to to get more clients uh, I, I, I would see myself, well, I don't really know. Honestly, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but you thought of writing the book, but you don't, you're I, right. I, see, I, I, I haven't done it. And, and, uh, there, there are some things in life that I do look at as linear, uh, that hopefully, you know, getting started on the book, getting finished. And I guess you've got a good point. What would I do with it? Mm -hmm. Um, my book should the bookshelves one are of the ways that we get help well this is what we do with the books is we'll, we'll create the book for somebody and then we use linkedin to promote it to your target audience so in this case it's law firms we'd be able to find lawyers who are in a certain law firm give them your book and then it starts that conversation with authority and trust and prestige because we're trusted we're, we're kind of trained as a society to trust authors and to buy from authors yeah. so it gives you that authority right off the bat and i think for your company that could be an interesting asset to to use um what do you think about that using LinkedIn to, because we've got all of the AI tools that reach out and connect with the, the lawyers automatically and give them your book in exchange for their contact information. And then you can take the, the conversation from there. Uh, it, it, it sounds really interesting. Um, and just, you know, LinkedIn would be the channel that I would use. Yes. Um, and that's and where a, the a good friend of mine, a good friend of mine did just recently publish a book on legal technology. Mm. Um, he posts all the time on LinkedIn on Colin Levy is his name. And he uh, posts on legal tech all the time. And he decided I'll just write a book 
And uh, so he wrote, wait, he's been promoting it on LinkedIn. Yes, uh, yeah, it's because it's powerful because it, it, it cans and clones your pitch. Your, your story it helps people connect with you without having to, to do the connecting process yourself anymore. Uh, an interesting opportunity. What happened with his book? Uh, well, I haven't bought, I, I, I have it in my card on, on Amazon, but I haven't bought it yet. <laughs> but in terms of how it's helped his business, have you seen how it's helped him? Uh, well, so he, interesting, interesting thing. I think he is still in house with a company yeah. in uh, a legal operations role. So he, I don't know that he's actually generating any business off of just, just doing that, but it, um, uh, <laughs> so I, 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 I wouldn't be able to answer that. I, I, uh, have seen lots of folks praising him and he's got a huge following. Um, okay. But, uh, mm. Yeah. How many LinkedIn connections do you have right now? I don't remember. <laughs> Give me a ballpark. So, uh, two thousand maybe. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Do you think many um, of those are potential clients? A lot of them would be. Uh, wow. So, mm. so my the folks who would be decision makers on what I do would yeah. be for companies, uh, chiefly le chief legal officers or general counsel, right? Or mm. um, legal operation people in legal operations yes, um, yes. who we target those people directly right so we fill yeah. your connection list up with those people specifically give them your book yeah. and then start the relationship off from there um, but if you have some people on your existing connection list we would just be able to point the ai towards those people um would you be opposed to this what's that would you be oh, no no no, no I, I i mean i'm intrigued i i hadn't realized that when when we set this up um, yeah but, i mean what's interesting is what set this up was my ai that was doing all the communicating with you and so it, well, okay yeah there you go and so that's one of the things that we do is yeah we use the ai to, to reach out and build these relationships the same way that that you and i build this relationship but with you and in your target audience with the 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 people who would have that decision making power at these law firms connect you with them directly give them your book and then start that relationship off from there um in terms of how many clients you could take on how many do you think that would be in terms of the, the next three months you know um usually given the the scope and size of these projects only two or three at a time okay um, oh wow so because they're <laughs> they're, they're usually heavily involved and and yeah, the one that i'm doing right now is right now just one because mm -hmm. i'm mostly there and, and helping reorganize and restructure um, because it was a brand new um, person who needed some help to oh, help okay. get things under control. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So, so there is only two and three. Um, hmm. How much do you usually earn per, per client? Uh, you know, it... Like um, I had one engagement, which was with, with a Fortune 100 company, and and we did over two hundred thousand, close to three hundred thousand um, wow. with them. Mm. Uh, this one won't be nearly that much, but when I was doing the smaller ones, yeah, um, it was usually somewhere in the ten to twenty thousand dollar range for the project. Interesting. Um, so would there be legal, legal ramifications if I asked to uh, partner with you on this so that we run this for you and then we take a percentage on the sales that we generate for you? Uh, I, I don't think there would be anything because again, I'm not practicing law. Right, uh, right, right. But I, I don't see there being a problem with that because 
it's it's not like a doctor it's not like we're we're pretending to be a doctor we're making prescriptions this is this nothing like that involved at all the reason why oh, no, I ask no, is no, because no. at a ticket price like that we'd be able to to make some some decent money together with our technology and your services yeah so uh um if i was practicing law if that's what i was doing then we couldn't do that right um, you see exactly that's um, what i asked exactly but uh but, but uh, you know the way i I put it at, at um, events and things like that is uh, I'm a lawyer, but I don't lawyer anymore. Um, or I'm classically trained as a lawyer, but I don't lawyer anymore. That right. um, said, one of the other things, and I didn't mention this, uh, but I am also a mediator. I, oh, interesting. Um, when I did mention at the beginning that my company has gone through a couple of iterations yes. of names. Yeah. I started back in 2018 uh, as Cruise Legal Consulting and Dispute Resolution. Mm, as okay. AD and Dispute Resolution. Right. The acronym is ADR as an alternative dispute resolution. So I thought that was clever. But I ran, this is just not good at branding. Um, I, p- people saw the legal consulting and thought I was lawyering. So ah, interesting, right? I was yep, yep. inundated with calls of, of folks and having to return saying, I don't do that. No, mm-hmm. I will I'll mediate your case. You, you get another lawyer and the other side has a lawyer and I'll mediate your case and help you settle it. Um, so then I changed, I dropped the legal and I changed it to KCADR and I'm in Kansas City area. Okay. So K, Kansas City, KC. Uh, so my license plate is KCADR um, okay. currently right now. I thought, hey, people will see that. And I called myself Kansas City's Alternative Dispute Resolution. Right. Okay. Um, so you got rid of but, the legal. Yeah. But it was Cruise Consulting and Dispute Resolution. And and uh, ultimately what I determined was I could make more um, doing the consulting. Right. And frankly, mm-hmm. frankly, I enjoy it more because there's, That's important. there's still conflict. Don't get me wrong, because when you're ma- when you're doing improvement management, um you're still conflict within groups yes, um, or between conflict. groups, yeah. um, you know, who, people who want improvement, people who want the, the, the status quo. And so, you know, you still have to do some of the conflict resolutions that I'm trained in. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <clears throat> anyway, a long winded way of saying, I, I, this is something else that I've, I've done, but I focus right now on, you know, just trying to do that, but through smart the move, by the way, the branding the, in terms of branding, smart move, because you want to be focused on one thing. So companies know that you're for, you're only for this one thing rather than two things. It sounds like, oh, he could have his hand in two pies. So he might not be so good at either one of them. So by focusing on one, that's the way to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's and and I, I think that has, has, uh, has improved a lot yeah. over it by dropping that. Now that said, I would still, you know, potentially do a mediation, but you don't have to be a lawyer and use your law degree to be a, a mediator. But I do, when people come to me, know, okay, so I am still, I still have some of the same um, ethical guidelines for lawyers that apply if I'm doing your mediation, um, as opposed to people who are not lawyers who do mediations are not bound by those same mm. lawyer-based ethical guidelines. Right. That's where I was going with that was I still have some of that, but with just the uh, the um, legal operations consulting, uh, we could 
partner in some way and wouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, man. Okay. So, I mean, we've got the technology to do it. I'm thinking if we can work it out so that way we get a percentage of that 20 grand that we make per client, um, that would be a, it would be worth us employing our technology to do that for you. Um, now we need the book to get started with that. The book costs five grand and we would take exactly this interview that we did and we wouldn't have to restructure it or we wouldn't have to yeah, take any more of your time. It would just be from this interview. We transcribe it, turn that into a book. And then we use that as the marketing tool to go on LinkedIn and start using that as a, a way to start the conversation with your two or three clients that you can take on right now. And two or three clients, you got 2000 uh, connections. That would be nothing because we just reach out with a book and then you start that conversation, we get them on the phone with you and then it's, it's game on from there. Um, what would the percentage be that you'd be comfortable sharing with us on a, let's say 10 or $20,000 uh, client acquisition that we were able to get for you? Uh, five to 10, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So 50%. Yeah. yeah. Some, something like that. Maybe now at, at, at this point, I do not have, the five grand up front to okay okay hey um, but i am interested so uh what do you have, have land to take the rest of it off of the if let's say you 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 invested some sort of uh upfront so that it covers our costs and then we take our we take that investment based on the the actual performance of the the product afterwards on the first sale that we make you we take a little bit more to cover what would our profit would have been on the book right uh, what would you be uh, comfortable with in terms of investing right now for the book so we can get that started right now given everything it'd probably only be about two grand um okay. in in context okay. my wife had to have what i call near brain surgery near um, brain surgery so she had a blood vessel that was resting on a nerve in Whoa. her head and her face and it was causing facial issues um and uh the reason i call it near brain is if they went to the brain they'd gone too far um but the, you know they had okay, to put, I see. push, push I the brain see. away from the vessel and then move the vessel away from the, the nerve. Wow. But um, anyway, so we're still paying for that. I see. Okay. All right. Well, it's interesting because our costs on the book are about 2,500 bucks. So it doesn't sound like we're too far off. Um, would you be comfortable covering the costs that we, that we charge for the book that we have to pay for the book? And then we get the other 2,500 bucks on the first sale that we make for you guys. I would need another month or so, month, month and a half to get paid from to, my current client. Oh yeah, okay. So you no. don't have the the two grand up front right now to, to not get the book today. Okay. Not today. No, no worries. I don't mean today, but I mean just in terms of moving forward, so we can get that yeah. going for you. Yeah, I I, I would have to I'd have to target that. Um, but I'm 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 interested. I'm interested because okay. I, I I like the the idea the concept. Yeah, with AI getting you clients, it's uh, it's fascinating, man. And if we can get yeah. that ten or twenty uh, grand for you coming in, we get fifty percent of that. It makes sense for us to just give you the book for free, cover our costs, and then we make our money back with that automation moving forward. Two or three clients with your two thousand connections is nothing, man. It's nothing. Uh, and so I'll have to trust you on that. <laughs> no, because I, I see it from my point of view. I know because I see how effective our AI is in terms of getting these clients. So two or three, it's 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 especially if you've got the sales skills when you get on the phone to be able to get them into clients um i mean we can get them on the phone for you but we can't close them for you so that comes down to you um but we can get the clients on the phone ready to go 
Uh, and so we can do that for you as soon as, as soon as you're ready for the, for the book. Uh, that's the way it works is we give the book and then we spark a conversation all automated with the AI and then we uh, get them on the phone with you. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I feel pretty comfortable once I get folks on the phone and, and, and start talking okay. to them, um, except during the early COVID period where people were um, putting an end to investment in improvement. Uh, as as several uh, people said said to me, uh, we're just interested in staying in business. We'll worry mm, about getting better later. Mm, right. Um, well, maybe you need yeah, to get if, better to stay in business, though. <laughs> that's kind of what I thought. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's clear I'm not going to persuade you to break out of this panic thinking right yeah. now. And that's okay. I, yeah. I get it. Mm -hmm. Um but uh, but but generally, once once I, I get to talking with someone, when you were doing the role playing a little bit earlier, role playing type yeah, questions earlier, exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, once once I get there, and uh, I've only had a couple of folks, um, and one of them, I know exactly what happened. Uh, one of the partners didn't want to make the investment. Oh, right. Okay, it happens, yeah. The, the, the managing partner was interested in doing it. One of the senior partners said, no, we're not going to invest this money now. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. But if you would have started the relationship off with a book, they might have seen you as more, more trustworthy and authoritative, and you might have had that different perception going into the call. That's where we're finding it works best is because it, it takes a, it's a conversion rate of, let's say, 10% and doubles that to 20% because they, they look at you so differently going into the call. They're thinking, oh, this guy, I'm going in with an author here. This is a, a totally different perception going into it. Um, and so, yeah, you can see how we can turn that conversation into a beautiful book uh, because I walked the way the questions were framed as though I'm walking a new client through what it would look like to work with you before it actually comes down to working with you. So they can see themselves, they can imagine themselves um, doing business with you before you give them the chance to. Um, so, yeah, man, when we get the um, the the cost for the book covered, because um, we need that up front, but. As soon as we get that, we can start the automation for you. And that's where we're going to make our, our real money on the 50% of the sales that we can bring in for you. So yeah, we're in for two or three. We can make 60 grand. You can make 60 grand. And uh, we, we take it from there. So that's how we I see we play, play this out. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Like, like I said, I'll have to get paid some. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair but, enough. Uh, but uh, it has been great meeting you and talking with you. I, I yeah. really appreciate the, the time today. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Yeah, I had a great conversation with you. Thank you for that. Uh, it's been a, a blast. Do you want to get booked in for the uh, for the next call here? Uh, when do you expect to be paid? I uh, well, it's going to take a couple of payments. Um, so I was I was thinking a month or okay. so. So, well, uh, let me so get here, go to this link, callwithkyle.com, and uh, we can get you booked in. So that way. It's, uh, okay. it's already on the calendar and we can reschedule if necessary, but that way it's already taken care of. Okay. Yeah. I will, uh, I'll do that after our call. Awesome, man. I have, I have copied that and we'll do the paste and go. There we go. All right, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's been great meeting you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It's absolutely my pleasure. So yeah, we'll talk soon.
All right. Thanks a lot. Have yourself a thrilling Thursday afternoon. <laughs> I'll do my best for a thrilling Thursday afternoon. I like that. I like the alliteration, the thrilling Thursday. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll try. At, at one of my my gigs, I did Marvelous Monday, Terrific Tuesday, Wonderful Wednesday. You like Thursday. the alliterations. I and see. Okay. okay. Uh, and and <laughs> it, 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 when I went in, it was a place that was somewhat morose. Mm. Uh, like, we're going to turn the attitudes around. You turn the attitudes around and you can start changing the whole work environment so huge yeah you'd be surprised i mean you know the power of one word changing as opposed to another so we've exemplified exactly. that in, in this interview absolutely um, exactly all right well thanks a lot i appreciate it <laughs> it's a my pleasure man all right we'll talk soon okay all right bye all right bye jeff all right i hope you enjoyed that podcast episode and if you want to get a free copy of my book go to kylesbook.com and you can get a copy there i'll talk with you soon